Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. Joseph stands out as a great patriarchal figure, similar to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was the 11th son of Jacob, but the first son of Jacob's true love, Rachel. Joseph's early life with his brothers was turbulent and Jacob's family was heading for trouble. On our program today, we're going to see how God providentially set Joseph apart with tough training to be the instrument of salvation for his family. On our panel today, we have Lina Yun and Harold Harker. Welcome. Thank you. Before we commence our discussion, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, thank you for the Bible, your inspired word. As we read the Bible now and discuss the story of Joseph, we ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and understanding mm. for ourselves and the viewers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the story of Joseph, it's been nearly 11 years since Jacob left uh, Mesopotamia from working with his conniving uncle Laban. They're now dwelling with Isaac uh, in Hebron. But all is not well in the family. And I'd just like to read Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 3. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made a coat of many colours. So Lena, from those verses, what are some of the problems we see in this family? Yeah, so from verse 2, we can see that the sons of um, Bilhah and Zilpah who are Joseph's uh, four stepbrothers, Dan, um, Naphtali, Gad, and Asia, were engaged in some evil activities that Joseph um, tells his father about. And um, obviously, you know, these activities were bad enough that, um, you know, Joseph tells his father. And um, obviously, his brothers were not happy about, you know, being snitched on. Um, but jo uh, Jacob uh, blatantly favours Joseph over the others with a um, quarter of many different colours. So. Okay, so why did Jacob favour Joseph? What's the background here? Uh, well, it Harold? goes back years. In fact, when Jacob had to run away from home and he stayed with Laban, he decided he wanted to marry Rachel. He was the one that she was the one he really wanted, but he was connived and Leah was put in there in place. And he was so, uh, he was wrecked with that. He said, I'll work another seven years to get Rachel. He, she was his favourite. And so then these two wives had to share his love and each of them said, we want children. And Leah had seven and Rachel only had two. 
and she died giving birth to the second one, Benjamin. But they had given their handmaids, you have children by him too. So it was a big competition. So he had virtually four wives and it's the competition between all these wives and and the kids. They're all playing this game of favoritism. Yes, competition in the family is never, never going to end well. Lena, what was the significance of this coat of many colours? Yeah, so uh, definitely this caused a deep resentment with his brothers. Mm-hmm. They were not really happy about And back then, the, um, the coat was a kind of coat that only princes wore. So you can think about it, you know, like the brothers were just put on normal clothes, but Joseph had a different clothes, right? And also, um, what is important is that Jacob had set apart Joseph over the others. So definitely that, you know, uh, that was a provocation Mm. to um, his brothers. So it tells us that uh, Jacob not only favored Joseph over the others, but also indicated that, um, you know, one day uh, Jacob would give all his inheritance to Joseph, not to any other brothers. So... Well, it seems like Jacob didn't realise the, uh, the dysfunction he was creating by favouring um, Joseph above the others. Is there a lesson there for parents today, Harold? For sure. No chance for favouritism. It always brings problems. Let me read this verse from James 2. It says, If you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressions partiality, favouring one over the other in a family always has problems. And in fact, we need to uh, take our position and treat, take our situation and be happy with it. This is what Paul wrote in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Jacob was provoking all the others and favouring Joseph. That meant problems. So, so, Lena, with that in mind, with all this turmoil going on in the family uh, and, and Jacob, sorry, Joseph being unaware that um, you know, he's being favoured, I guess, and that the provocation of Jacob uh, with that favouritism, God now gives Joseph two dreams. Mm. Tell us about those dreams and the impact that had. Yeah, sure. So we're going to read Genesis 37, 7 and 8. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So obviously, um, you know, this intensified uh, his brother's hate, you know, hatred, as you mentioned. And, um, and also the other dream that he had uh, also caused a problem. So I'm going to read a Genesis um, 9 and 10. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it uh, his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven starred stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? 
So um, Joseph, well, you know, tells uh, these two dreams to his father and his brothers. And um, actually, Jacob was a bit irritated and rebuked him, <laughs> right? And but he actually was observing and was, you know, right. pondering upon upon the dream and and you know, just wondering its meaning. And um, obviously, these two dreams had a common theme, right? Because of that, it appeared to them that they were from God, you know, not just normal, just, you know, you know, uh, dreams. And um, also the other thing is that Joseph had, had these dreams, not his father or his brothers. You know, it signified that, you know, Joseph had a spiritual superiority over others. And, um, but, you know, there's an important thing here. You know, we can see that, you know, from uh, Joseph's behavior that, he seemed a bit unaware of the fact that um, you know uh, he had you know his brothers didn't you know mm. like him you know hostility of his brothers with his favored status and um, obviously and also he was also unaware of the fact that you know telling them um, you know of his dream and of them um, you know bowing to him and also him and ruling over them would actually make them or enrage them even further without realizing absolutely he lacks some mm. sort of self-awareness. So, so we have a, a little brother yeah. <laughs> who's spoiled by the, by the father, um, who snitches on his brothers when they do the wrong thing. <laughs> and uh, now he gets these special dreams like he's spiritually superior. Yeah. This would have really done the brothers in. Tell, tell us what happens now next to Harold with the brothers. Well, they get so mad at being with Joseph and all his dreams. They say, we're clearing out. And their job was to care for the flocks. They were shepherds and so they took all their flocks and they just didn't go next door. They went 75 kilometres north up to Shechem and the family had problems there before. But they said, we'll get out and we don't want Joseph. So he stayed home with Benjamin, his younger brother. So they literally had enough and they're off. They're, they're out gone. Of they want some clear country air to get out of the family. And it's interesting, they went to Shechem because it says in the account that uh, Jacob wanted to check on them at Shechem. Correct. And you wonder, why would he need to check on these? These are grown men. These are brothers. Um, well, he needed to check because the memory of what happened at Shechem with the incident from Genesis 34, yeah. with the slaughtering of the Shechemites, yeah. uh, would still have been fresh in Jacob's mind. And that thought would have been one that he thought, well, I wonder whether the Canaanites are going to take revenge. But then he sends Joseph, uh, which... You know, it's rather like sending the the uh, the lamb into the lion's den. What was the outcome, Lena? Yes. Uh, so just let's first uh, read uh, Genesis 37, 19 and 20. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Mm. Um, obviously, Joseph, um, you know, eventually finds them at Dothan, so um, a further 25 kilometers north of Chicken, and um, he just innocently thinks that, you know, that would welcome him. But the actual, the reality is that, um, you know, he has no idea that they intend to kill him. And, um, but th uh, rather than killing him, actually, they put him in, into a pit, Right then, uh, sells him um, as a slave to Ishmaelites. You know those were um, heading to uh, Egypt, 
And um, so because of, you know, lack of awareness of Joseph, and he might have been very shocked, you know, shocked a lot and also traumatized by this experience. He would have definitely been shocked if he wasn't expecting it and suddenly his family turn on him. Which brings me to another point here, Harold. How can you explain that brothers would do this to their brother? Well, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. And so the hate comes out of the heart. There's a verse that Jeremiah wrote and said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, these, the brothers, they didn't have the love of God in their hearts for, for their brother Joseph. And they said, let's get rid of him. And I guess if they could sell him as a slave, it wouldn't be as bad as if they'd killed him. So they said, let's take the, the lesser of the two evils. We'll get rid of him. He's out of our life. He's gone. And, but it was the hatred they had for him that led to this open sin. And I guess therein lies the point. We don't know what capacity of evil we have in our heart if we haven't got Christ in there. Correct. So that's a uh, yeah, lesson for all of us there. So he's, he's alone. He's bound. He's now walking, well, on the map, about 400 kilometres from Dothan in the north part of Israel all the way down to Egypt. A prisoner. A prisoner. And he's contemplating what's happening. Where am I going to? What's my life going to be like? And on that walk, under those circumstances, as terrified as he must have been, we know that he gave his heart to, to the Lord. And um, I just want to read Genesis uh, 39 and verses 1 to 3, because this sets up the next part of the story, yes. which we need to discuss. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Yeah. So Lena, firstly, what was a captain of the guard? When he, that's important. And what was providential about this appointment, all this purchase? By yeah. Potiphar. Sure. The uh, captain of the guard, according to the, um, you know, Genesis 39 verse 1, uh, Potiphar. So Potiphar was in charge of Pharaoh's security and his job was make sure that, um, you know, uh, the Pharaoh's um, safety is guaranteed. And also he was um, in charge of uh, the prisons as well. So you know, going back to the question, this was very uh, providential because as a servant in Potiphar's house, Joseph would be educated and trained, right, uh, properly, um, not just, you know, rather than being just used as a laborer, you know, um, then that, you know, at the end of the day, because of the hard work, you know, their life can be shortened and things like that. Um, and also the other important thing is that in verse one, we can see that Potiphar was an Egyptian. So it's uh, indicating to us that other higher officers might not have been uh, Egyptians because in those times there were lots of foreigners in the, in, in, in the land. And so Potiphar being an Egyptian, that means Joseph would be um, you know, immersed into the Egyptian culture. So that means as a servant, um, 
his value would be increased when properly trained, and also the quality of, of his life could mm. be enhanced as True. well. Yeah, so definitely probably, I mean, you'd imagine if he got bought by the overseer of the quarries, he might not have lasted long. <laughs> but this way, he was purchased by a high official. Um, he was able to be educated. Mm-hmm. Very important, very important. Now, from the verses, Harold, um, which we just read, um, how do we know that Joseph would have made a decision to follow God? Well, verse two said, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. So he was living for God down there in Egypt, even though he was a servant. And the next verse says, his master, that was Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. So Potiphar knows God's with this man and he's blessing his work. And because of that, this is what the next verse says. So Joseph found favour in his sight, that's Potiphar's sight, and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put in his hand. If we were saying today, he'd have his checkbook and his credit cards. He had everything he had to pay the bills. He was the overseer of, of everything in Potiphar's whole estate. That would be a major thing. And God was with him and Potiphar says, yeah, I can see that. Mm, that is incredible. It's interesting too, Harold, you're saying about all his house. It says in uh, verse 5, it says, all he had in the house and in the field. That's right. So it implies that this was not just a house, this was an estate. He was in charge of the lot. And, and as an estate, to be managing all that and being blessed, Lena, that brings another thing. What sort of skills would you need and training would you need to be in that position yeah. to run all that? Not everyone can do that. That's true. Obviously, um, you know, to be the top manager of high Egyptian officials' estate, mm-hmm. Joseph would have had to learn um, how to be efficient and diligent in his work and proficient in um, speaking, reading and writing uh, Egyptian as a foreigner and uh, competent in economics, logistics and business um, you know, regulations and lastly, competent in human relations management. So obviously being associated with Potiphar, um, he also would be been uh, exposed to uh, understanding the workings of the Pharaoh's court and also the mm-hmm. affairs of the Egyptian state and also foreign diplomacy. So by now, Joseph would be a highly educated and trained and cultured uh, individual. Hmm. Another thing too, which is worth noting here is that as the top ranking servant in a larger state that he's looking after, he would have had a pretty good life too. He would sure. have been the best yeah. of clothing, the best yep. of food, best yep. of accommodation. This sounds like a pretty good deal, but, but we know from the story there was trouble brewing at Potiphar's house. And uh, can you tell us about that, please, Aaron? Well, Mrs. Potiphar, she was the real problem. And she looked at this young fellow, handsome, strong, in charge of things, and uh, she pursued him uh, relentlessly. She didn't give up. Let me read. It says here, It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Can you imagine going to work every day and you know she's going to come at me again and again? 
every day you're facing this. He says, I'll have nothing to do with this. I'm a servant of God. I don't do that. And she's determined she's going to get him. And he says, no, you're not. I'm with God. You know, the inspiring part of that, Harold, is he doesn't linger. No. It's very cut and dried. No, there's no sort of, well, it's no. And uh, but we know from the story that his time is cut short at Potiphar's house. Tell us about that, Lena. Yeah, uh, sure. So uh, Mrs. Potiphar falsely accuses Joseph of his attempted rape. So we're going to read Genesis uh, 39, 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison and a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. So obviously Potiphar, you know, all those years and, you know, must have known Joseph's character. Um, so if Potiphar really believed that the accusation was true, then Joseph as a slave would be put to death. Uh, but, you know, Potiphar instead, he, um, you know, put him into the prison as we really read from the verse. Um, but, uh, you know, Potiphar, you know, could not publicly support um, the servant's words over his wife's word. So right. that was. Well, you can imagine if he took his wife's, sorry, the, the slaves, he's firstly saying that, telling everyone that my wife is an immoral liar and I trust a slave, I, that's a scandal. <laughs> yeah. So really, that was very difficult for uh, Potiphar to deal with too. So Joseph was innocent, um, yet he was sent to prison. Harold, how did he handle life in prison? Well, you know, bad things happen to good people as well. And this is what it says in verse 21 of Genesis 39. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Again, Joseph is true to God and God's with him. And now because he's seen to be a good person, he gets favour in the prison's officer's sight and he's made in charge of the prison. He'd been in charge of Potiphar's estate. Now he's in charge of the prison. Yeah, good point. I'd just like to read that, actually. Um, I'm going to read from Genesis 39. I'm going to read verses 22 and 23. Yep. And it says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So here we have Joseph, who was Potiphar's top man. He's now the jailer's top man. And um, obviously he was learning things in prison. What would he need to learn in prison, Lena? You told us what he needed to learn in Potiphar's house. What about in prison? What would he learn there? Yeah, so um, in a prison, as a slave, probably he might have believed that he had to spend the rest of his life there, over there. But, um, you know, obviously um, there are some of the things that can be learned under only very tough circumstances, Mm -hmm. you know, like in prison. So in Joseph's situation, so he would have learned, um, you know, about humility, empathy, and justice. Um, also, he had to learn two other very important things that are very, very difficult for all of us. So um, obviously, number one is patience. So uh, in Romans 5.3, here it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
Hmm, it's a bit tough, but you know, patience we need. And also another uh, thing is forgiveness. So uh, Mark eleven twenty six um, says. Okay, but if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven um, forgive your trespasses. So basically here, um, you know, Joseph had to forgive uh, Mrs. Potiphar first mm. for, you know, falsely accusing him of, you know, m- uh, attempted rape and also his own brothers for putting him in Egypt in the first place. Mm. It's really hard to and do. And look, sometimes we think we've learned forgiveness until someone upsets us, we don't forgive them. So that's a very hard one to uh, sure is. learn. Now, yeah. he was put in prison, he's looking after prison. There are two high profile people put in prison. Tell us that story, because that's pivotal to this. These come in prison. Verse 4 of chapter 40 says, The captain of the guard charged Joseph with these two, and they were the butler and the baker from Pharaoh's court. These were these two high officials for something they'd done or Pharaoh didn't like. They're in jail. And then it's interesting. These two have dreams just like Joseph had. Mm. And they come to Joseph. They know he's a man of God. And he explains that one would be reinstated and one would not. And he said, now, when you get back to Pharaoh, just remember this poor little bloke down here in prison and uh, they were both released, but one of them was executed, mm. the baker mm. and the butler. He's put back and he forgets all about Joseph. Mm. Yeah, and we know that another two years go past and yeah. um, then we have the story that Pharaoh has dreams. And um, with Pharaoh having dreams, what happened next, Lena? Yeah, so uh, Genesis 41, 12 and 13 say, and there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, and to each man according to his dream did he interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. So we can, hear, we can see that the butler knew that Joseph was a Potiphar's servant. Um, and uh, obviously, Pharaoh, you know, therefore knew mm. of Joseph's history from him. And so Pharaoh immediately sent for Joseph. So I want you to just wrap up the scene for us, Harold. Sure. Joseph is now standing before Pharaoh. What, what would we have seen? What would have happened? Well, as he comes there, he's been asked to interpret these dreams. And he says, these dreams came from God from Elohim. It's God telling you what's going to happen. He was the servant of God. And so he tells him that there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. And then Pharaoh says, "Okay, who can I get to get ready for this famine? You're the one who's been doing well. I'll make you in charge. So this slave, this prisoner becomes the prime minister of Egypt because God has blessed him and he's lived for God. An amazing elevation in one day, prisoner to prime minister. Joseph was 17 when he was sold as a slave and 30 when he was appointed leader of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. In that time of hardship, Joseph unknowingly was being trained with the technical skills and developing the character suitable to be leader of Egypt. 
Joseph was now in the position that God needed for the next phase of his plan, which was the reconciliation of Jacob's family. Like Joseph, we are to trust God no matter what. We encourage you to commit your life to Jesus today. Mm. We're glad you're with us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.